From The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Thursday, August 3. A National Register of Teachers and Daycare Workers will be considered after New South Wales demanded other states and territories share red flags about staff. That's in the wake of an arrest of a daycare educator who allegedly abused hundreds of children over decades. The No campaign against the voice referendum is amping up the pressure over the question of a treaty or makarata with First Nations people. The PM is struggling to explain why he won't say whether he's open to negotiating a Commonwealth treaty. And Indigenous Affairs Minister Linda Burney is trying to stem the fear this question will spook voters. Progress on Makarata will not occur until after the referendum. Our priority wow. is constitutional recognition through a voice. In today's episode, what a treaty means and how it went from a widely accepted consequence of the Uluru process to a major headache for the Yes campaign. For generations, Indigenous activists and their supporters have been loud and clear about their desire for a treaty. From Prime Minister Bob Hawke in 1988. There shall be a treaty negotiated between between the Aboriginal people, the government on behalf of all the people of Australia, before the end of the life of this parliament. To a monster worldwide hit for Yothu Yindi in 1991. Arnhem Land leader Yunipingu in the 80s. Let's celebrate the next 200 years of Australia jointly. Melbourne history professor Marcia Langton in the noughties. These uh, processes work very well in other countries. You have the Sami Parliament in Norway. You have treaties in Canada. You have treaties in the United States of America. You have constitutional Indigenous rights in Canada. You have domestic dependence sovereignty in the United States, but here in Australia, forever, the Conservatives are going to hold that we're ignorant savages that you can't do treaties with. And Independent Senator Lydia Thorpe, right now. We deserve better than an advisory body. We have an opportunity to have a treaty that allows Australia's deep in preparations for a referendum on constitutional recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and the creation of a voice to advise Parliament and the Executive Government on matters relating to First Nations people. That process, a voice and recognition, arose from the Uluru Statement from the Heart, agreed by Indigenous leaders and read here by law professor Megan Davis. Makarata is the culmination of our agenda, the coming together after a struggle. It captures our aspirations for a fair and truthful relationship with the people of Australia and a better future for our children based on justice and self-determination. We seek a Makarata Commission to supervise a process of agreement making between governments and First Nations and truth-telling about our history. When Labor won the federal election in 2022, Anthony Albanese was crystal clear. 
Labor Party, I commit to the Uluru Statement from the Heart in full. That means voice, treaty and truth in that order. But the further we get along the road to the referendum, the Prime Minister is starting to seem reluctant to talk about the idea of treaty. Complicating things is the Labor National Conference coming up in Brisbane in September, where some parts of the Prime Minister's party are going to push for Labor to commit to what's known as makarata in this term of government. Here's Anthony Albanese on the ABC's Radio National Breakfast program. Do you support a treaty? I look forward to... Well, the processes are occurring. But but federally, you've committed to the Uluru Statement. No, yeah, and and it's not a treaty. A. Yeah, no, potentially many treaties, right? Yeah, uh, that's occurring. It's like saying, do you you support the sun coming up? The PM now says Labor won't pursue a Commonwealth treaty in this term because those conversations are already underway with First Nations people in many Australian states and territories. So you're saying the Commonwealth will never have a role with treaties? Right now. No, No, Patricia, what I'm saying is that what the No campaign want... The thing is, it's got to the point where the PM is barely prepared to say the word treaty. So what's the difference? And how did treaty become the Voldemort of the voice referendum, the word that cannot be spoken? We do not speak his name. The word makarata entered the mainstream discourse in the 1980s when a Senate committee set up by the Fraser government recommended an amendment to the Constitution to allow the Commonwealth to negotiate an agreement, or makarata, between the Commonwealth and Indigenous people. The Uluru Statement website defines makarata as treaty, or agreement-making, and it says this is the culmination of our agenda. So... Exactly what is so scary about treaty? I think the the phrase itself carries so much heft and mystery and history and it is intimidating for a lot of people. That's possibly why the government's sort of running away from it. Paige Taylor is the Australian's Indigenous Affairs correspondent. I think the government understands a lot of Australians are frightened of that word because they think it may lead to reparations that have no defined limit. For ever in Indigenous affairs and Indigenous policymaking page, it's kind of been, well, this might be okay, but the next thing is the thing that we need to worry about. So when the Mabo decision came down, it was like, well, next it's going to be your backyard. And now it seems to be treaty is going to lead to financial reparations. Is that right? Does a treaty mean financial reparations? Is that the point of a treaty? I think it is part of the point, but I see a lot of catastrophizing in the debate. One of the things I reckon is really interesting is that there are two eminent constitutional experts in this country who believe we already have a treaty in Western Australia and this guy did not fall in. In fact, the Southwest Native Title Deal is a $1.3 billion treaty-like agreement, and according to George Williams and Harry Hobbs, it is a treaty, and it's given certainty, actually, to farmers, businesses, government. It's created a, a way forward for the Noongar people, there's 30,000 of them, uh, for their future generations, their 
jointly managing national parks. There's a $600 million trust that's going to give some certainty to economic development. It's in every sense a treaty except in name. Coming up, the No campaign senses fear, which means they're going to double down on this treaty question. So how does the Yes campaign play it? I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Prime Minister is becoming increasingly reluctant to talk about treaty. When it does come up, he says that's because the states and territories have it handled. So, do they? Here's Indigenous Affairs correspondent Paige Taylor again. Every state has made some level of commitment to a treaty except Western Australia. They're going their own way with these smaller agreements. Victoria is the most advanced and what we probably should note there is that it's taken a very long time. This is not a speedy process. It's been going for more than 10 years and we don't have a treaty in Victoria yet. Do you think, given that that progress towards various treaties is already happening, that the voice is relevant in this question about whether a treaty comes to be or not? That's really interesting because that, of course, is the tension between some of the progressive no's in Indigenous community and the Uluru backers. They think treaty can and should come first, but the people who support the Uluru Statement from the Heart believe a treaty has a much greater chance of success if a voice is established first, and that's simply because it gives some uh, legitimacy and heft to uh, those negotiations. We heard at the top of this episode page that in 1988, Bob Hawke said at the Barunga Festival that he would deliver a treaty within the term of government that he was in at the time. Of course, we know that that didn't happen. And then the idea of reconciliation came into the national discourse as what many people believed Indigenous people were asking for. So what happened to the treaty from your perspective? Well, of course, uh, Bob Hawke was not the Prime Minister for long enough to see a treaty through. Australia did go down another path and reconciliation, I think, was a, a broader and more palatable concept for a lot of Australians. There are moments in politics when you can see an idea turning into a big deal, and this is one of those moments. I think the Yes campaign understands exactly how tricky that subject is. It's been extremely difficult for the government, I think, because initially they wanted to talk about treaty, but now we can see they don't want to talk about it as much because it's such a hot-button topic. What we do know from the Uluru Statement is the Makarata Commission is going to be 
a body that will supervise agreement making across the Federation. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be an agreement between the Commonwealth and Indigenous people. It could end up being an organisation that supervises the various agreements between the states and the Indigenous people in those states. The onus is on the yes side to convince Australians to make this change. All the no side has to do is sow doubt. I think the no campaign understands that this is a rich vein for them. They can uh, stir up um, a lot of uncertainty, even among people who are who are yes voters. Do you think there's a sense within the yes campaign that they are going to have to come up with a form of words to answer this question because it's going to be raised every time someone pops their head up? I think they know very well that they're going to have to get a set of words to start to explain why this is not the catastrophe that the No campaign is making it out to be. Perhaps they will point to the very peaceful and in some cases bipartisan treaty negotiations in the states. That may help them. Uh, But it's getting to the point where it's becoming an explosive subject. Paige Taylor is The Australian's Indigenous Affairs correspondent. Thanks for joining us on The Front. You can read all the nation's best news, business, sport and politics right now at theaustralian.com.au. I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component of that. I I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts.